sorry for my cough overnight. So, uh, I spent this evening watching um, the the last, the most recent two episodes of the Last Dance, the uh, chronicle of the Chicago Bulls of the nineteen nineties. And uh, I said, you know, kind of said, you know what, nothing great is going to happen on wrestling. Uh, it, it's just going to be wrestling. And so I'll record it and I'll watch it tomorrow. Um, but, and WWE has been good. I think this right now is a great time to be a wrestling fan. And I also think that... Um, it will be a good time for wrestling to capture new audiences because it's the only live sport that we have to watch. I uh, tend not to watch a lot of other television. Um, you know, I'll watch the History Channel. Um, I mean, if there's a good show on or a good movie on, I'll watch it. Um, I like, uh, I liked Sons of Anarchy on, uh, FX, but, um, it's not really a show I can sit back and watch reruns of. Um, I had a Sons of Anarchy marathon going and watched all six seasons because I didn't become a fan until halfway through. And then, uh. There's a show called Mayans uh, on FX, which is Sons of Anarchy, the Mexico version. And uh, it it's caught my interest. I like, um, I can't remember his name now, but I like the, the writer's um, way of doing things. I like his plot twists and turns and uh, how you don't know what's coming next. You know, just when you think you know the answer, he changes the question. And so, that's that's about the only television I watch. Uh, you know, sports, mainly NFL, uh, and WWE, and Mayans. I spend a lot of time watching YouTube. Um, there are sports specific uh, YouTube creators that I like, like uh, the Amazing Lucas, the Hodge Twins, uh, Star Wars Theory, uh, those those channels. But so, uh, flipping, as, as soon as I'm done watching the Bulls thing, I, I don't know, I saw a notification or something on Twitter. And, uh, I missed something huge on wrestling. <laughs> uh, and tonight's show was live. This is why, uh, the story did not leak. Um, the world, women's world champion Becky Lynch has been noticeably absent from the ring, uh, for a few weeks. Uh, so, well, ever since her WrestleMania match against, um, Shayna Baszler, and last night when I did my uh, Money in the Bank review 
show, I was uh, I commented that I wish they would have had, you know, some kind of women's title match. Well, tonight we found out why uh, Becky Lynch didn't wrestle last night. I don't know all of ye details yet, but uh, I will link this video in the description. Tonight on WWE Raw, Becky Lynch announced that she is pregnant. Um, I don't know how far she is into her pregnancy. Um, so last night's Women's Money in the Bank match was not for a world title shot. It was not for a contract. It was actually for the women's title. And nothing can stay secret in WWE. And I haven't heard any rumors of this until... I'm, anything about this until uh, tonight. At, what is it? 10 o'clock or something? A little after 10 p.m.? When I was scrolling through my Twitter, uh, there's a already video up on on YouTube of her making the announcement. I will link that video in the description. I'm gonna have to pause the YouTube video, however, because um, you guys won't be able to hear the sound. Uh, I'm just not wired for that yet. So uh, I'll be right back. This is going to be the first time I watched the Becky Lynch announcement, too. So, all right, here we go. All right, podcast world, you're getting my live-to-tape reaction of Becky Lynch announcing her pregnancy on WWE Raw. You'll be able to hear the sound. In 2013, and I didn't know anybody in this country and I, I didn't know if I was good enough to be here and uh, and I, I didn't know if uh, if anybody would care about a loud mouthed Irish woman who loves puns and toast but somewhere along the line I, I learned that they did care and they cared so much that they put me on their shoulders and they carried me into history and I will never forget that. Through injury and triumph, it was the fans who stood up for me, who had my back. And it was the fans who I grabbed onto when I didn't have anybody else. And that is why it is the fans, it is you at home, that the that deserve to hear this from me first. That I ha I have to go away for a while. So, it, they they're teasing this well. Okay, right now Oscar, who won Money in the Bank, is making her way to the ring, and you have beaten okay. me when nobody else could. You have been the best wrestler in the world for a long time, and this is why I am so glad that this is happening to you. Because the match last night, it wasn't what you thought it was. 
It wasn't for an opportunity to win the championship. It was for so much more. And I, I know you haven't been able to unlock this, so there's combination. So Becky's putting the combination into the briefcase and she opens it and there's the women's the championship. The was actually for the Raw Women's Championship. The championship belt was in the briefcase no, the whole time. I can't find anymore, but, but you can. You are the champion. You are the champion. I'm the champion! You are the champion! Yeah! Yeah, I'm the Oscar's <laughs> jumping around dancing with the belt like only Oscar can. Oscar dances back up the aisleway to the stage and she's rambling in J Japanese and now she's dancing on the announcer's table with the belt celebrating oh now she's coming back down towards the ring that was her walking up the ring steps you are the champion now and I'm, I'm as happy as you are to be the champion I, I might be a little bit happier so you go and be a warrior because I'm gonna go be a mother Oh, they're hugging. Oscar's chanting her name and saying she's happy for Becky. That, that was pretty cool. There's like a minute left. Hold on. So Becky doesn't look very pregnant. This has to be like, she's got to be like two or three months in at the most. Because she still looks like she did at WrestleMania and all that. I mean, she's wearing all black and uh, I'm trying to get a look at her stomach to see if there's a bump. But they're really not showing her full body too much. Um... She's, Becky's just walking out and she's standing on the entrance way. She says she's going to miss us guys. And then she goes behind the curtain. So that was really cool. Let's hope I can pause this now in due time. Alright, good. So, um,. All right, I'm not going to mess with that. Go back to recording on YouTube here real quick. Okay, so the breakdown of the Becky Lynch video uh, for those on YouTube and it, the podcast, if you could not hear me over the, the sound of the WWE and that. Um, Becky comes out to the ring and is in tears. Um, 
talks about, you know, she walked through the performance center doors, whatever, 2013 or something, and didn't know anyone in this country, didn't know if she was good enough, and talked about how the fans lifted her up and made her a star. And that's very, very true. Uh, the WWE held her down. Uh, rumors have it that the main television producer for WWE, um, oh, Kevin Dunn, didn't like her Irish accent and said it didn't come across well on TV. So she wasn't allowed to cut promos. And of course, if you don't cut promos, you can't be a champion in WWE for the most part. Um, but the fans liked Becky so much because she put on such good matches. And for the longest time, she was like the, the upper card jobber of the women's division. And if there was like a tag team match where her and Charlotte Flair, let's say, for example, were paired up, you knew Becky Lynch was going to get the get pinned. Uh, you know, if Charlotte and Becky were going to lose a tag team match or whoever she was tag teamed with, you knew Becky was going to be the one to get pinned. Um, but the fans turned on WWE just like they did with Daniel Bryan and said, we're going to make a star of this person because this is our favorite wrestler right now. And there were hashtags trending and all this stuff. Um, and so, you know, Becky was elevated by the fans. They tried to turn her into a, a bad guy and the fans just liked her more, you know, uh, they tried to ever come out and cut a promo on the fans, and the fans cheered her when she dissed them. Uh, but anyways, that's how Becky got to that point. Um, then, with this video, I kind of jumped around there. Um, you know, Becky came out, the women's money in the bank briefcase was on the table, uh, sitting there, and uh, Becky's giving her teary, emotional promo and then Oscar's music hits and Oscar comes out and uh, obviously if you didn't know ahead of time you would think well there's going to be fight between Becky and Oscar or something uh, all over the internet today the story was Oscar is going to cash in her money in the bank tonight and last week on Raw they announced Becky Lynch was going to wrestle the winner of the women's Money in the Bank match. And I don't know if that was an accidental thing or not, but uh, it turns out there was some sort of a, uh, a plan there. Uh, so back to the vid that we I just watched of Becky announcing her pregnancy. Uh she tells Oscar, you know, what you were wrestling for last night was for more than just a money in the bank contract. Uh, and she turns the, the briefcase was locked with a combination. So Becky says, you know, you couldn't open this briefcase because there's, there's a combination. 
and Becky puts in the combination to the lock and opens the briefcase and out comes the WWE Women's Championship. And Becky says, what you were really wrestling for last night was the Women's Championship. Congratulations, you're the champion. And then Asuka starts celebrating. Uh, it looked like Asuka was going to leave the ringside area. And then uh, she remembered she had, I don't know how scripted out it all was. But then Asuka comes back to the ring and Becky says, you know, you go be a champion. I'm going to go be a mother. And that was her I'm pregnant announcement. I assume it's Seth Rollins's kid, her fiance. Um, they were very public with their engagement. Um, but the fact of it is, wow, uh, this is shocking. I've never seen this in wrestling. You know, there have been gimmicks and angles where people are pregnant, but this is something legit. They didn't turn it into some stupid fight, you know, and then a miscarriage like they did stupid things during the Attitude Era. Uh, this was actually somebody announcing their leaving wrestling to be a mother. And I would, I would say it's safe to assume we've seen Becky Lynch's last wrestling match at WrestleMania. Um, she can always come back. I mean, she could get back into shape, but, you know, with the WWE schedule, I really don't think she'll be, she'll be wrestling. I, she just doesn't seem like that kind of person from all the things I've seen of her online and what I've heard, you know, she's probably going to be a full-time mom, um, from this point forward. That's not saying she won't come back for, you know, uh, you know, they always need extra women for like the Royal Rumble. Uh, I don't think she'll be back in time for this year's Royal Rumble, but, uh, you know, in future Royal Rumbles or something like that, or for some kind of little gimmick match, uh, I think she just signed a, a new big long-term contract with WWE. So she'll probably be um, around in some fashion. She's good on the microphone. She's good on broadcasting. So she could be come back as a play-by-play -play announcer or something like that, um, in spite of what Kevin Dunn thinks. I think he's the only person that's bothered by her Irish accent. But, uh, you know, congratulations, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch on uh, pregnancy. I hope it goes well. Um, it's, it's shocking. It's mind-blowing. You would, you know, I mean, when Maria Kanellis came back to WWE, uh, her and Mike Bennett signed a big contract and then she got pregnant. Then they signed a contract extension and she got pregnant again. Um, and, you know, it's, but it's a different situation where, because Becky was like the top person in the company. I mean, she's the most popular wrestler, uh, men or women. She is the most popular wrestler. 
uh, you know, people said that, you know, her, you know, her gimmick had cooled off and, you know, there wasn't anyone left for her to beat in the YouTube wrestling critic world. But, you know, WWE has roller coasters on characters and gimmicks and can make an angle or a, a feud at any time. So, um, and Becky was, you know, the hottest person in the company, you know, when they still had fans in the arenas, she still drew the loudest crowd reactions and things of that nature. So, uh, that's breaking news that Becky Lynch is with child in the WWE. Um, she's, she said she's going to miss, she said, I'm going to miss you guys to the camera. Uh, so I'm assuming, you know, she's talking to the fans. I think she's planning this as her retirement. Now, how that works out with this new contract she's supposed to have, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I assume WWE has to keep paying her or offer her a buyout. But anyways, that will all be yet to be seen. Uh, but, you know, that's pretty awesome. That was cool the way they did it and she didn't just say uh i'm pregnant they can't you know there was a good uh little story in that five minute segment there so that was very awesome uh link in the description on youtube to the video um what i wanted to talk about tonight is WWE started its <clears throat> mini-series on the WWE Network. Uh, it's a five-part series, or five-chapter series, they're calling it, uh, on The Undertaker. <sighs> calling it The Last Ride. It just struck me that just this second, I thought they were uh, doing a play on words because there's a huge ESPN documentary right now uh, about the Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance. But then I remembered when The Undertaker used to do the power bomb or the choke slam, I mean, as his finish, I think he used the power bomb a few times too. But anyways, the choke slam was called the last ride. So um, they're chronicling kind of the end of the Undertaker's career. Um, I remember when Taker first came out uh, at Survivor Series 1990, and you know Survivor Series back then you only had four pay-per-views a year, and it was one of the big four, and Bobby Heenan, or whoever his crew was, whatever his team was, I think it was Bobby. Well, anyways, the, there was this one team at Survivor Series of bad guys that said they were going to have, they were going to introduce a new partner that was going to change wrestling forever. And little did we know, back then, 20... No, 30 years ago, sorry. 
wow, I was 13 years old-ish, 12 or 13, and The Undertaker came out, and he came out after all the other wrestlers were already in the ring and on the ring apron, and everyone's like, well, where's the, where's this, this mystery partner? And then out comes this guy dressed like an 1800s mortician, uh, like wearing a big, not cowboy hat, but a big wide brim hat. He had on um, these long gray, like dress, dress up gloves, like, you know, people would wear back in the old days. The, um, <clears throat> he had a tie but the sleeves were cut off his shirt so you could see his arms but he had on like a dress shirt and then black tights <clears throat> and i think there was some uh you know his tie was like gray and purple and there was some purple on his ring boots too and nobody knew who he was back then because this was before internet and all this other stuff and it took a little, a little while, a couple uh, weeks of seeing him on television till you realized, you know, you got a look at his face, that this was Mean Mark Callis or Mean Mark from NWA. Uh, they weren't using him right. He, you know, Paul Heyman and all these people said he's he's going to be the next big thing in wrestling. And Ole Anderson and these Dusty Rhodes and these guys just didn't get him or they were afraid he was going to take their spot. And, and out comes this mysterious character. And he was initially managed by a guy, a gimmick called Brother Love, who was an eccentric pastor. And then later on, they brought in uh, the Undertaker's um, manager, uh, this guy called Paul Bearer, who used to be Percy Pringle in uh, World Class Championship Wrestling in Dallas. And they had Percy paint his face white. He had dark circles around his eyes. His mustache and hair were dyed black. The Undertaker had, uh, not really white, but they lightened his face up with makeup. It wasn't totally white to where it looked fake. I mean, his makeup made him look like he was dead or dying. He had dark circles under his eyes, you know, and... He went from, you know, he's a very athletic guy. He could, in NWA, or maybe, I don't know if it changed its name to WCW yet. But anyways, when it was uh, Crockett Promotions and the NWA, we'll say, he could actually walk the top rope like a tightrope without holding on to somebody's arm. In the WWE, he would usually walk the top rope while holding on to his opponent's arm and then jump off and do an arm smash kind of move. Um, but, I mean, the guy was super athletic, and he had to go from 
uh, doing fast matches and using his athleticism to being a slow, stalking character, like out of a horror movie. And he would stalk his opponents and then do a series of quick moves and then go back to the slow stalking pace. Okay. So he showed crazy athleticism for a guy six foot ten. Uh, he was doing, you know, dives out of the ring over the top rope uh, into his opponents before, you know, smaller wrestlers were doing that stuff uh, on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, he would used to have this move where he would do, uh, he would go into the ropes, he would whip his opponent into one rope, he would run and hit the uh, rope on the other side and do a flying clothesline and get completely horizontal to the ring and do this flying clothesline, which nobody had ever seen before. Um, he didn't jump off the ropes. He just jumped up in the air and got horizontal, level with the ring, and clothesline his opponent. Um, and he was going to be the one that you know ended Hulk Hogan's uh, career. And then... I think it was 91 or something. They had, you know, a Tuesday night in Texas, they called it. And, you know, Taker versus Hogan was the only match announced because Sunday night before that, Taker had beaten Hogan badly. And he was going to finish the job a Tuesday night in Texas. So, you know, we all gathered around the TV to see if, you know, this Undertaker was going to, you know, bury Hulk Hogan's career. And I think Hulk Hogan ended up winning. And that's how he became the immortal Hulk Hogan. Uh, but Undertaker was always WWE. Uh, in the 96, when a lot of the WWE superstars started jumping to WCW... Uh, like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the Macho Man. Uh, well, Hulk Hogan jumped in 94. Um, and was it 94 or 95 and really was lackluster. But The Undertaker was always WWE. He was always WWF, uh, you know. And he didn't really need the World Championship belt to be popular. <clears throat> it was given to him, it was put on him as a reward for his hard work and his locker room leadership. And he was the locker room enforcer and leader for the longest time. When they used to have a thing called wrestler's court. And if you know one wrestler felt he had been done wrong by another wrestler over, you know, something small. They would have wrestler's court, and Undertaker was the judge. That's how respected he was by the other wrestlers. And so, you know, he would hand down a verdict, and, you know, the loser would, like, 
have to buy beer for the whole locker room or dinners or usually it was beer. Um, when Shawn Michaels, who was it? Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and six X-Pac, Sean Waltman. And for a while, Sonny were the click and were running rough shot over people. The counter to the click was the back street back was it the back street boys the back street something and they all went out and got br b back street back street something but they all got it tattooed and taker still has the big tattoo across his midsection bsr and uh so, you know, that was kind of the posse that didn't like the click, uh, but they were like the, the other cooler guys, you know, that didn't do drugs uncontrollably, but, you know, just drank a lot of beer and hung out together. And, but, you know, Taker was respected by everybody. Um, there was rumor that, you know, Shawn Michaels wasn't going to lose to, or Shawn Michaels was going to try to somehow get out of, Losing to uh, Stone Cold, which couldn't have been because Sean's back was so messed up. But, you know, there was always a, a legend that, you know, Taker was taping his fists up and turned to Shawn Michaels and said, you're going to do the job for Stone Cold tonight, right? And fear in inferring that if he didn't... Uh, Undertaker was going to use those tape fists on Shawn Michaels. Uh, there was also an incident where, you know, Bret Hart took wrestling seriously. And he actually cared about wins and losses. And during a angle where, you know, Shawn Michaels was going to cause Undertaker to lose to Bret Hart. Uh, Shawn was like special referee or something. Uh, Brett had a bunch of objections and Taker stood up and yelled, not everything is about you, Brett. Uh, and Taker was not usually a loud guy. He was a quiet locker room leader. And he backed it up. Um, he was known as, you know, a badass, which brings me to my next point. You know, when WWE went into the Attitude Era, uh, the Undertaker had a faction. Didn't really last long because Taker was always better as himself by himself. But he changed from the dead man gimmick into a American badass, and he came out to the ring on an Indian motorcycle. That's the name of the company that makes motorcycles. They were actually around before Harley Davidson. Uh, <clears throat> and anyways, but he would come out to the ring on a motorcycle and he was, he had a biker gimmick and people say that was one of the worst gimmicks Taker had, but it really wasn't. I mean, his gimmick needed refreshed, you know, he needed to be freshened up a little bit. And then right when the American badass gimmick kind of started to tire and the attitude era was kind of like, eh, you know, starting to end, but not quite. He 
came out in a match, uh, and you heard the famous gong sound, and it was like, oh my God, The Undertaker's back. And so he switched, you know, a lot of people switch from good guy to bad guy. Undertaker's always just been Undertaker. Um, you know, they made him out to be a bad guy at first, but the fans liked him so much. He was always just Undertaker. He was in a league of his own. And so he went to the American Badass gimmick. Uh, he came out and did a speech about how all these other guys jumped from, you know, WWF to WCW, but I've stayed here and I've stayed loyal. And Vince McMahon really loves The Undertaker, um, personally. Like when the WWE Hall of Fame stuff is going on, they all, Mick Foley pointed this out. You, one wrestler you don't see in the audience is The Undertaker. And Mick Foley's like, you know, he can't be out in the audience with the rest of us because... He's the Undertaker. You know, you can't have the camera pan in and the Undertaker sits there and, you know, smiles to the camera. He's the Undertaker. So him and Vince sit in the back and watch the Hall of Fame ceremony on a special monitor. Um, and so there was the match with uh, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Undertaker got concussed at some point in the match to where he doesn't remember half the day and most of the rest of the day. Uh, the next day, I mean. And so, um, when, you know, The Undertaker that shows this in his documentary, The Last Ride, uh, he gets back to what they call the gorilla position. Uh, and he, he goes down on the floor from the, you know, severity of the concussion and Vince McMahon comes back through the curtain and yells, we need medical out here in gorilla. And, you know, of course, then everybody goes rushing to see what's wrong. And, you know, it's the undertaker severely concussed and they put him in an ambulance and take him to the hospital and Vince McMahon and Brock Lesnar follow the ambulance to the hospital. And as soon as they open the ambulance doors, Undertaker sees Vince McMahon there. And even though he's out of his mind with a concussion, Taker says to Vince, don't you have a effing show going on right now? And, you know, that's kind of how dedicated Taker was to the business. Um... <clears throat> his really smoking hot wife, Michelle McCool, or I don't know, whatever her new last name is, Michelle uh, is telling everybody, you know, he was so concussed that when the doctors and nurses would ask him his name to see how damaged his brain was, he would try to cheat and lean over to her and, what's my name? Like, he, you know what I mean? He probably wanted to call himself The Undertaker because he was out of his head. He wasn't himself. 
he was not. He was just so concussed. Um, you know, but that's one thing. And he keeps coming back um, year after year. Now, the uh, the streak, he said that you know, he didn't even realize it until somebody pointed out to him, hey, you're 10-0 and 0 at WrestleManias. And so that's how the streak started to become legend. After that point, they started announcing every year that Undertaker was undefeated at WrestleMania up to 21-1 and when he lost to Brock Lesnar. And so, and it was, it was Undertaker's idea to lose and end the streak. Uh, but he's continued to wrestle since then. Uh, most recently, he lost at WrestleMania to uh, Roman Reigns. I couldn't remember. Uh, a couple years ago. So he's 23-2 and two at WrestleMania's. Um, but he, he said that, you know, the streak is what allows him to continue to wrestle just once a year at WrestleMania. And his last WrestleMania match was really, really not good. Um, maybe it was a few WrestleManias ago. And then his match in Saudi Arabia with Kane as his, his you know, pretend brother, Kane, and Triple versus Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels carried that match, uh, actually. And, you know, Taker's been showing a lot of signs of age lately. So it seems like they're building this this five-week, five-part series uh, is going to lead to Undertaker's final match at some point between now and WrestleMania. I would, I would say it's safe to bet it will be at WrestleMania next year, um, and he'll probably go into the Hall of Fame the night before. Um, and he's, but, you know, I was talking about he went to the American Badass gimmick, and when then, you know, that gimmick, you know, lasted a, a couple years, and then he changed back to the Dead Man, and no other character in wrestling has ever done a gimmick change that way, you know, completely changed from I'm a Dead Man walking into no, I'm human, okay, now I'm a Dead Man again, and the fans still loved him. They loved him more. They love him more as the Undertaker Mortician character. But they didn't turn against him when he was the American Badass either because he's believable in that, uh, in that role. And, but he's also believable as this dark uh, Undertaker character, you know, and... Of course, he had like the Ministry of Darkness, they called it, and went from all the, you know, during the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars, the wrestling business was so huge, it, it exposed itself, and fans got smartened up, and then <clears throat> you had... You know, people that thought they were... Everybody thinks they're wise to the wrestling business. 
if you're over like 12 years old. And, you know, they were doing this gimmick where The Undertaker, now that he's back to the dead man gimmick, he really believes he's that character. Uh, and they gave it some stupid nickname uh, for when a wrestler starts thinking they are their character and Undertaker is going too far and this and that. And, you know, it it got to a point where they were doing this angle where they had Stephanie McMahon up on... Uh, Undertaker even has, like, his own logo. It's like a T with two... I don't know what they are, like, nails behind it or something. And they were going to crucify Stephanie McMahon. And Stone Cold had to come out and save uh, Stephanie from... Um, the Undertaker, and there was some secret character behind The Undertaker, which turned out to be Vince McMahon. And anyways, but, you know, they said, oh, Undertaker lives his gimmick. He thinks he's really The Undertaker and exposed the business even more. But the fans still love the freaking Undertaker character. They, you know, and they like Mark Calloway, and he's so respected by wrestling fans uh, and whether he it's the character or the person you know i mean and he's been in so many memorable matches he was in the first match with inferno match where uh you know he him and his brother Kane you know Kane was supposedly burned up in a fire that's why Kane wore the mask. And, you know, they were, it was who could set who on fire. And there was a fire surrounding the ring. And somebody was supposed to get thrown into the fire. I think it ended with, like, Kane getting his boots set on fire. And it wasn't even, like, you know, the big finish that you thought. But whatever, you know. Uh, he was in the first Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels which just, you know, was one of the best matches in wrestling. Uh, you know, both guys were in their prime. Uh, he was in the casket match with Shawn Michaels, and that's how Shawn Michaels came to get a broken back. Taker threw him out of the ring, and Shawn uh, either got thrown too hard or took the bump wrong and landed on the edge of the casket and broke his lower back. And which led to more Shawn Michaels drug use than he was already using. Um, but then he was in the, you know, world infamous Hell in a Cell match where him and Mick Foley started out on top of the cell. And then, you know, of course, Mick Foley got thrown off and landed uh, on, or went through the announcer's table, which gave one of the great commentaries in sports history good god they killed him jr the ring the play-by-play -play man announced uh mcfoley is dead uh, <laughs> and uh you know then foley climbed the cage again and undertaker threw him through the through the cage and he landed on the mat and you know that was you know just one of the matches that goes down in history because of 
how many bad bumps Mick Foley took, but people don't realize Undertaker, I didn't know it till last night, Undertaker wrestled the match with a broken foot. So he climbed up this cage that's like 20 feet above the floor, at least. He climbed up there, was walking around on, on this unstable fencing with a broken foot. And after he threw Mick Foley through the cage onto the mat, he himself, you know, hung from uh, one of the bars uh, at the top of the cage and then jumped down into the ring onto a broken foot, you know. So he was going through a lot in that match also. So, uh, <coughs> you know, Taker has done a lot to entertain fans and entertain, well, entertain fans. I mean, all right, what else do wrestlers do? Um, he's just put his body through so much. And this documentary is showing him getting the shots in his knees so he can go out and wrestle. Um, the next episode, I think they're going to go into showing his, oh, cold chill, his hip surgery. So it's a very good documentary. And if you're, you know, an Undertaker fan that hasn't watched wrestling in a while, but you liked The Undertaker as a kid, um, it's well worth getting the subscription to the WWE Network just to watch this. And then you have access to the whole WWE Network. So with that, I'm going to sign off and warm up. <laughs> and then... Uh, Say good night, God bless you, and I'll see you the next time.